I wanted to take a minute before I introduce our speaker today. Where's Nick? Nick, do you want a, a stand? I just realized there was no stand up here. I'll get that in a minute when you're coming. Um, I wanted to take a second before I, I bring Nick up here to speak with you guys this morning and, and share with you a little bit of my week, share with you a little bit of what's going on with my dad. Um, for those of you that have been reaching out and, and, and praying um, and just support and love for me, I just can't thank you enough for it. Uh, but I did want to give you an update this morning. For those of you that don't know, uh, my dad had a semi-major amputation surgery on his left foot this past Monday, and um, that went great, and the results of that are still great, but there have been other complications that have arisen this week um, in which the fast version is basically my dad's blood levels wouldn't rise. They stayed low post-surgery. They found out that he is has like an autoimmune anemia-based in infection, um, in which Wednesday morning when I was with him, he actually uh, coded and had to be revived and was immediately rushed to the ICU and, and just um, from there chaos erupted <laughs> in my family and, and um, just what this week was planning to be did not look like. And I just, the reason I'm taking a minute to share all of this with you, I guess before I get there, he is now out of ICU. They've diagnosed him with uh, hemolysis or hemolysis, which is basically his body just is killing all of his blood reds, red blood cells, um, which apparently can be treated, reversed, cured even with steroids, and which since the diagnosis Friday night, he's been moved out of ICU and being pumped with steroids. And uh, yesterday was with him most of the day and, and is doing better. Um, it's mainly the steroids at this point, but he is in better spirits. He has more energy. He actually is wanting to eat. Um, but I say all of this to share with you how incredible it is to be a part of uh, a church family, to be a part of a community in which support is so readily available, in which love and care and concern is felt so heavily. And um, like the fact that this worship team here this morning those of you that are part of our, our community here every Sunday know that that uh, I and, and, and Lisa and my sister-in-law Emily lead worship most Sundays. And I literally, Friday afternoon, when we were still awaiting the results uh, for Dad, was like, even at this point, I have zero desire to worship on Sunday. And I know that sounds bad. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this, just some of the thoughts that I have had. But... Um, in the midst of all of this, being able to so quickly call on people that from another church that are just willing to send people to worship with us this morning when, you know, it's just, God is so good. And even in the midst of moments when we feel like there should be no peace, when we feel like there should be no joy, when we're still awaiting answers on, on um, you know, a loved one that died, got revived, and we still have no idea what's going on. You know, that, those can be hard places to be, but God is so good that even in the midst of all of that, he not only gives you himself, gives you joy, gives you peace, but puts you in a community in which you can feel love and support like no other. And so I just want to thank you all for that. Um, continued prayers. I didn't even know if I was going to be here this morning, um, but because he is you know, slowly improving over the past two days. Um, 
you know, I, I, I just, there was no other place I wanted to be. If it wasn't by his bedside, I was going to be here with you all this morning. So I just wanted to thank you for that. So on this very somber note, I want to introduce our guest speaker this morning, who I am 100% convinced is uh, going to turn this morning around. I've been looking forward to this day uh, ever since we, we planned him speaking this morning. Um, and I was sad that I was going to miss it. He, I've wanted Nick to speak here for a while now, and, and him speaking today was even planned before any of this stuff happened with my dad this week. So I knew it was coming, but I'm so thankful to be here. Nick is somebody that you know I've had the privilege of speaking with over the past few months in his Speak Love team and this organization that he runs, which I think he's going to share a little bit with you this morning. Um, I don't even want to say anymore, bro. I just want you to get up here. Can we please put our hands together, give a warm tap for you? Welcome to Mr. Nick Jackson. If you guys could do me a favor, there's some uh, people that are new here that uh, are not only new to worshiping in OTR, this used to be a place where we partied, right? You feel what I'm saying? And so uh, for the next couple of minutes, as he brings up my uh, lectern, Please, hug five people that you don't know. Go. You got to get up to do that, folks. You got to get up. There you go. There you go. Get up. Quick, quick, quick. One more minute left. One more minute left. Find new people to hug. Let's go. Great job. Great job. Please find your seats. So I had the honor uh, this week and last week to come up with uh, a, a sermon that represented what Christmas meant to me. And it I couldn't do it justice without showing a video that, that would bring Christmas kind of, in, in how Christmas is, is uh, seen in my eyes, to the forefront. This video that we're about to watch is very special to me. Please allow the Holy Spirit to fill the room at this moment. Play the video. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, or TR as we call them. And, of course, my red-hot smoking wife, Carly, who's a stone-cold fox, mm. who if you were to rate her ass on 100, it would easily be a 94. Mm. Also want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Naughton Jr., who's got my back no matter what. Shake and bake. Dear Lord Baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your Baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible, and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. 
dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. Dear tiny Jesus, in your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled-up fist pawing. He was a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I win the races and I get the money. Ricky, finish the damn grace. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says, like, I want to be formal, right. but I'm here to party, too. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus, like, with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with, like, an angel band. And I'm in the front row, and I'm hammered drunk. Hey, Cal, why don't you just shut up? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Dear eight-pound, six-ounce, newborn infant Jesus, don't even know a word yet, just a little infant, so cuddly, mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. We just thank you for all the races I've won and $21.2 million. Woo! 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 Ow! Love that money that I have accrued over this past season, also due to a binding endorsement contract that stipulates I mentioned Powerade at each grace, I just want to say that Powerade is delicious, mm. and it, it cools you off on a hot summer day. And we look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry. Mm. Thank you for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. Amen. 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 Do me a favor. Give it up for that great prayer that we just had today. Uh, please, before we get into this, by your heads. Uh, dear Heavenly Father. I know for a very long time, I've used my prayer time to ask for things that I didn't need. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I know for, for a long time, I, I would prospect my life and, and put together these hurdles that, that I would need to see to understand or even believe that you're real. Dear God, I recognize that I feel like Good, good things should happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people and that's not how your grace works. Dear God, I thank you for a Christ that loves me when I'm wrong. God, I thank you for the mercy and the grace that is showered over my life in places where, where I was stuck on stupid and you stayed in grace. Dear God, Thank you for a savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, if, you, if you don't mind, if we can go to the first slide. This was by far the cutest Christmas picture that I could possibly find. Now, I have an affinity for little black babies. I just want you to know, I think we're the cutest ever, period. Little Hispanic babies, number two, right? Asian babies, number three. White folks, you're coming up soon, right, right, right? Number four, we got you, little Caucasian babies, number four. Now, when I looked at this picture, the one thing that I saw, right, was her face, like that excitement. And I know we've all had these, these times where we were kids and we, 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 we walked down to the Christmas tree and there was a present with our name on it. 
and like you get down and you check it just to make sure that's your name. So you look at the tag and it has your name. And then, then you think to yourself, I wonder what's in it. I know for me a few times, right, I would go to the present and I would squeeze it, right? Because if you squeezed it and it was soft, it was closed, bump that, right? We all need them, right? You feel what I'm saying, right? But if it was hard, if it was, it was hard, if it was difficult, all of a sudden you knew that there was a good chance that there was a prize, a toy, a Nintendo game at the time, let me tell you, right? And I remember sometimes I would go and I would open the gift, and what it was was something that I needed but I didn't necessarily want. So my mom and my dad would, would buy things that we needed, right? And they would put them in, in, in wrappers and put them underneath the tree. And I would be frustrated that I didn't get what I wanted. See, I did good, right? The not, naughty list gets bad stuff. They get cold. But the nice list, you get good stuff, right? So I'm doing good. Why am I not getting good? I'm ticked. That's not fair. That's not what I've been taught. I give up on this whole thing. So many times I've gone down there so ungrateful for having a gift with my name on it that I would look at the gift and I would get frustrated that it wasn't what I wanted. And usually what I wanted was nothing that I needed. Does this resonate with anybody? Now in this situation, this cute little chocolate sunrise, right? She obviously wanted that bear, right? And she's like, ooh, this for me, right? I love that picture, but that's not everybody's Christmas. Next slide. So just as an agenda, you guys have already seen the video. Uh, our word this week is out of Matthew 6, 9 and Psalms 13. Don't take my word for it. Please study it this week as you go all about your day. Uh, actually, we're going to be doing some reading from Matthew 6, 7, and 6, 8. And, uh, Pastor, I'm going to actually call you up to read those before we get into this word. At the end, there will be a challenge. Now, this challenge will be between you and Jesus, right? I will not call you. There is not going to be a grading scale. I'm not going to look you up, right? But I expect you to do this. Next slide. My favorite thing about Christmas has always been the ham. I, um, I was on the wrong slide, right? Can we go to the next slide real quick? We'll come back to that. Oh, there we go. Now, with the ham, I recognized that there was something that had to die for this ham to be able to be served to me. Like something had to be slain for me to be able to consume that thing. I didn't really notice how the, um, what would they call it? Event would have changed if we didn't have the ham. So the ham was the centerpiece of the table. And in my home, right, my moms would either get a honey-baked ham and pay way too much. It's ridiculous, just so you know. But that glaze on the top is, is like crack, just so you know. If you have ever had a honey-baked ham, I know I'm, I'm not the only chubby person here. When you open it up and you see that crust, right, that crust represents Christ. That's all I'm saying. Now, <laughs> in this, there was sides that would actually be around the ham. 
and she would present the ham in the middle, right, of the table. And when we walk in, there would be candles on either side, and the ham, the centerpiece of, of, of the whole meal would be right in the middle. And a lot of times, I wouldn't recognize that that ham used to be a living thing. Like that ham used to be the, a, a pig that was alive, living its life, enjoying time, right, that had to be slain for us to enjoy it at this moment. Go back and slide if you could. Quick resume about me. Uh, I'm a believer, entrepreneur. I run the Speak Love movement. It's been phenomenal. I also run Nick Jackson Speaks. Uh, I've been a minister. Actually, one of my buddies right here, Hakeem, uh, we started ministry when we were 14 and 13, 15 and 13 in my basement um, when I was in high school. The reason why we started it was because we didn't fit in with other Christian kids. So we wanted Christian people that were on the outskirts to feel like there was a God for them, right? And uh, it was funny because we would do this in our basement, and we were just totally honest and totally raw, and it's great that we still have this spiritual connection there. Thank you for being here. Love you, brother. And lastly, I'm an evangelist. It's so crazy because like, I keep looking at this girl because her eyes are closed, and, like, I know she's probably sleeping, you know what I'm saying, but she might be praying. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about your life. I don't know what you did last night, but... Uh, I know I've definitely walked into church the same way. Like, I, I feel you, sis. You are not alone. You're not alone. If you need a, if you need a towel or a, a blankie, we got you, cuz. But as an evangelist, that's what you do. That's all you do. You wake people up. That's it. Wake them up, period. Good morning. This is who you are. And when you wake them up, you're like, this is who God says you are. Now, what you don't do is stick around. So as an evangelist in a Christian community, that's actually a negative connotation because people are used to you waking them up, showing them who God is in them, but then you leave. The pain in that is represented by usually people's fathers. So as a man, especially as an African-American man who, wake, who wakes people up, right, when I leave and go to the next person, there's a level of angst and anger because their dad left. And at one time, their dad was there. He was there. And then when he left, they thought that God left too. There's a Jesus for you if you feel that way. Next, on the left side, you can't really read this, but it says, there is a God and it is not me. Now, oh, he's killing me with the slides. Come on, go back. Go back, dog. Go back. Yeah, that one right there. That one right there. That's okay. That's okay. It's our first time. It's our first time. You know what I'm saying? But. On the left, a friend of mine actually used to wear this shirt that said, there's a God and you are not him. I used to be so mad when he would wear this shirt. Uh, it was Mark Epley, if you remember who that is. And my frustration was always this, right? So is he you? Like, if you read it, it says, there's a God and you are not him. But it doesn't say, I'm not him, right? Now, as a minister who preaches on the street, let me let you know, the only way that I can do this is to know that I am not God. I, am, I, I have to, I mean, every time we meet with our group, which I'll talk to you about in a second, I have to walk in in steps of repentance. Because if I, if, I, if I walk in a way where I believe that not only am I the representation of God, I have to be God, I am stepping out of alignment. And so many of our Christian 
followers and leaders get confused as to who God is. And see, what happens is we feel like we have to be God because there's so many people that haven't, haven't either felt God or they're still ticked off about church communities that have hurt them, that they've walked away from God. So we try to be God. So we put ourselves not in humility, but also it looks a little bit like self-hate so we can actually put ourselves underneath these folks so they can walk on us like a bridge. And in that, God's saying there's a Jesus for that. What you're trying to do is not your calling. You got to let my kids fall. That is the hardest thing to do. Because you know, you know deep down the pain that comes with it. You know deep down what's going to happen. But, but you have to understand that if you really believe, you can leave. And Jesus is going to stay. As a guide, if you really believe, you can get up and go to work. If you really believe, you can allow God to speak truth to his children and take your hands off of it. And not sit around and try to take some for yourself. That's another thing. Whoa, let me tell you. I've never in my life, in my, in my natural Negro life, let me let you know, I've been chocolate for a long time. Now, I've never in my life heard anyone complain about getting a good deal. Ever. Like, there's never anyone that's like, man, God is just too good for me. You know what? My car is way too nice for me. You know what? I can't stand how great my girlfriend, wife, husband, boyfriend is. He, they just so great to me. I'm out. Never. But, man, do I hear people in the church don't like me. My wife didn't give me what I wanted. See, I signed up for something, and she didn't show up, and I'm pissed. And I deserve better. See, very rarely do I hear, my job is so great. I'm just so thankful. I want to let the world know how grateful I am for my kids, my job, a place to sleep. I'm so grateful. It's usually, you know, Becky, from work, I hate that girl. Oh, let me tell you what she did today. And if your name is Becky, I'm sorry. Somebody hates you anyway. But anyways, <laughs> I recognize that there is this expectation of ease because of belief. There's this expectation that we should be getting good because we're on the good side of the road. I want you to know that when you step behind Christ, following him, you will be persecuted. And it will be hard. And there will be rainy days. There's a picture that I, I can't wait to show you. Matter of fact, can we skip two, two slides down? Next one. Next one. Sorry. That guy's ugly. Next one. That one. So what it looks like is I'm about to speak to a group of kids, and I'm looking over the crowd. There's a, uh, there's a picture on the screen, and I'm getting ready to go. But what you don't see is that's a lonely, hurting man that's praying to God that somebody else could join side of me because I'm getting tired. The reason why I chose this church over other churches is because I saw that same thing in Spencer. 
And I'm like, bro, you're not alone. See, when you, when you have a call on your life to do a certain thing, sometimes what you see doesn't represent what you're called to do. So let me say it this way, right? Um, as an entrepreneur, I have a vision of what my company should look like. I have a vision of what we should be producing. But then I also have reality, right? And in reality, it doesn't look this way. In reality, it doesn't, it doesn't feel this way. See, what I'm, what I'm really looking at and what my vision is are two different things, and there's a gap. And I'm trying to encourage people that are looking at the reality that the vision is real. And so many times... You just get tired. Like, I understand. I understand why church people fall. I get it. I totally get it. Matter of fact, every time I hear about a minister or a priest or a preacher that has fallen, I get it. It is one of the loneliest things you will ever do in your life, but you're still a person with faults and sins that needs to repent. And so many times as a Christian body, we put them in the place of God, and that is not where they belong. It was an honor to step in for you this week. It was an honor because I, I know what the weight feels like. I know what it feels like when people are leaning on you and you need something to lean on. Man, let me tell you. Like, I know what it feels like when you're leaning on people and they disappoint you, but they still got an expectation of you. They're falling short, but also I know what it feels like when you got a low expectation of them and they come through and hit a home run, bro. And it's amazing because we all know that God sent his son because he loved the world so much, and most of y'all suck, but that's okay. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him. Whosoever, whosoever believes in him shall not die, but have eternal life. Whosoever. So the folks that you just saw in this video, you're going to see them in heaven. Even though they're a little bit selfish, they believe in him. The people that you see on the street that are frustrated, that are scared to come into this building, right, because they've been hurt by church, but they believe in God. You're going to see them in heaven because they believe in them. There are going to be folks that you walk into this week, next week, and throughout the holiday season, all into next year that you walk into that are going to taste a taste of God because they run past you because you are the church. They're going to have questions about who God is. Not because of anything that you said, but how you live your life. Next slide. I was going to go into talking to you guys about our group. I just want to say something real quick. Uh, Alyssa Nichols preached here last week. She's a rock star. She did a great job. When I met Alyssa Nichols, she was scared to talk to people. Where is Alyssa today? She's home? She's what? Oh, she went to Lima. Okay. So I, I just expected to be here. That's her boyfriend. Shandy just graduated. Give it up for Shandy. Good job. Good job, Shandy. Good job. Good job. And uh, before I continue, continue with this, Shannon, I just want you to know, I know there were some questions about your graduation. I know you had to work really hard. And there's also some things going on in your life. You're not alone. And as you take steps as a man, I'm super proud of the way that you've been able to lead your relationship. But also, I'm proud of the way that you've been able to lead in such a way that no one around you knows that you're in pain. 
not alone. Love you. Guys, give it up for Janet again. So, the beautiful woman on my, on my right in that picture, but on the left of this picture, is Alyssa Nichols. When I met her, she was scared to speak to people. Been hurt, broken family, issues, issues, issues. And I knew she was called to preach the word of God. As an evangelist, my whole mode was not to be righteous or even be right, but to be patient. And so with that, in our group, we provide a platform for individuals that are called to preach to step out on our platform and to do so. We preach the word of God in public places, and it's an illegal business. So we're in public schools. We are in uh, businesses. We're in universities. We don't say the words God or Jesus, but we are diehard believers. We do the steps of repentance with people who are agnostic and atheist and that don't believe in God, and we allow them to taste what it feels like to be forgiven. That's it. You don't have to join my church or tithe to my organization, and we use, we use our own platform to do so. So we get, we, we, and I say we, I get booked, right, to speak at schools, and I, and I ask the school, could I invite my friends? I don't say where they come from. I don't say what, 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 it, what it is that they've done. All I do is say that there's some talented people that are coming into your university. Usually, they say, oh, that's totally fine. So it does it cost more? And I'm like, no. And they're like, well, bring them. All right, cool. It's awesome. And then with that being said, they get wowed by the talent in the crowd. That's the coolest thing, right? And that's the best thing about God. It's when you allow yourself to get out of the way, God shows up. And when God shows up, everything shuts down. Like, everything is brand new. And in this particular instance, it's a one-on-one, and what we do after we speak is we allow people to come up and talk to us. Now, usually in church, we call that altar call or prayer time. In public, we don't call it. We call that one-on-ones. And she does this thing. I don't know if you notice the difference between me and her, right? So I do a lot of chest bumping and challenging, right? She does this thing where she grabs people's hands, brings them close, and says, tell me your story. Next slide. So the reason why I talk to you about tell me the story, we're about to go through some prayers. This prayer right here is actually the Lord's Prayer. And could you come up here real quick, Spencer? I'm going to ask Spencer to read the preceding uh, paragraph, if you could, up until... Um, verse, starting in verse 5, it says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 7 And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Oh, I I did too much. It's all right. Give it up for your pastor. Hold on, that was horrible. Give it up for your pastor, please. So in the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, What he was explaining to his people, now this is after the Beatitudes, he was telling them how to pray. 
But there's one verse that I love that talks about why we pray. Not because of what we want. Peep this out. Now, in 8, it says, do not be like them. Now, he's talking about the pagans that heap up words. They keep going and going and going with their prayers because they feel like they're going to get what they want if they say more stuff. Right? Now, it says, do not be like them, for our Father knows what you, what, what, what word is that? Hold on. That was super duper quiet. I'm not used to white folks. Let's try this again. What word is that? Hold on. We're going to try it one more time. All right. He knows what you need before you ask him let me point this out that prayer that that we saw that we kind of laughed at it was all about want that guy had 22 million dollars he had a wife he had kids he had family he has cars he has all this stuff but he had lost the race and now he wants to win so he can get more money how many times have you heard someone or you yourself have prayed based on what you want and then judged God based on what you want? Not necessarily, let me say this again. Do not be like them, the pagans that just keep heaping up words. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. See, I was taught if I'm good, Santa will give me what I want. That's what I was taught. I was taught that good karma actually brings out good results. So I put myself in good circles based on karma. See, now, if something bad happens, that means that I must have done something bad, right? So if someone gets sick, I'm involved in bad stuff. If, if, if my girlfriend doesn't do what I want, th- th- I'm involved in bad stuff. If I lose my job, see, I'm involved in bad stuff. But if I get a raise, it's because I've done good. See, I've earned it, right? This is all, this right here is an earned, earned system, a kingdom of you get what you earn. You deserve blank. But this says that God, mind you, this is Jesus talking. So he's saying, daddy, right? Okay, so. Your daddy knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray because you already know that your needs are known before you step into the prayer room. This is not a situation where I need to say anything. I just need to be prepped. Let me keep going. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Next slide. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Next slide. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Pause real quick. If you notice, could you go back one slide? If you notice in this, heaven and earth, I've underlined them. But the wording of this phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, means that there's a kingdom to come. There's a system that's not here yet. So a lot of times we, we, we say this, we regurgitate these prayers, right? But the kingdom of God. It's to come like there's more that hasn't fully been 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 brought to our attention yet. 
So the wants that you may have may be in a worldly kingdom, but you don't even know the wants that you might have in a heavenly kingdom. You need to just be patient where you are right now because there's something coming. See, the hardest thing about preaching on the streets is that there's a lot of folks, and not just in the streets, we're also in, in, in nice neighborhoods too, so, but they still have streets. Anyways, there is something to come. I can't tell you how many people base their decisions on what they see, not what they believe or the vision that's been given to them. They're basing their decisions on the kingdom that I see. And so right now I got to make this decision in this moment because nobody got my back. I got to do for me and I got to make this happen. I got to make this happen. And let me tell you, when you become God in the situation, that's when you fail. Straight up. Like, if you look at your situation and you're saying to yourself, this is what I got to do because I got nothing else. I don't have a God. There isn't a Savior for me. I don't have it. There's no second chance. Then, then you become God. That's a tough position to be in. And I see a lot of people putting themselves in that position. In this, what Jesus is saying to understand is that there's a kingdom coming. See, the pain that you're feeling right now is not going to be all the time. There's a kingdom coming. There's a reason why you can give and give and give and sit back and wait. Because there's a kingdom coming. There's a new system coming your way. Next slide. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we, for, we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I remember when we were... We was young. This, this is something that we would joke around about. Now, uh, I used to eat a lot of pizza. I'm a big fan. I used to be real chubby. Now, when I would order a pizza, it would come from some place by delivery, usually someone my age expecting a tip. Feel what I'm saying? Now, in this particular instance, I would get it, the pizza that is, and I would know where it's from because of the name on the box. So it's La Rosa's. Domino's, the wonderful Papa Juan's, right? Now, in this situation, what we're saying, what Jesus is saying to pray to God, his daddy, right, is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. Let me tell you what that means is, right, I'm going to go wherever you call me to go, but I know right now I need deliverance. Like, I know right now I need your help. I know right now there's darkness where I'm at, and this is where we are, and I need you to bring me a delivery boy and, like a pizza, deliver me in the heavenly neighborhood. But where I stand right now isn't it. This whole prayer is saying where you are right now is not the end don't quit. Where you are right now is just going to be temporary. Don't give up. Where you are right now, and I'm talking right now, what you see, what you feel like you've signed, what you feel like you've deserved, it's not done yet. Keep pushing forward. As a, as a minister that gives, a people, gives people platform, one of the things that I do is I, is I minister to those who have contemplated suicide, dealing with mental health issues, and the one thing that I constantly am saying to myself, because a lot of times they're not ready to hear it, is just, hey, we're not done yet. It's not done. It may look bad. It's not done. It's not done. 
Now, you may believe it's done. That's on you. But I know I have to live my life as if it's not done. And hopefully you pick something up. Next slide. Now, this is Psalms 13. In Psalms 13, David is writing this prayer. As I read this prayer to you, I want you to know David's in the bloodline of Jesus, which means he was born before Jesus, right? So he would be one of Jesus' great, great, great granddaddies. Feel what I'm saying? Now, in this particular instance, he has killed Goliath, but is frustrated with man. Let me say it this way, right? See, the giant that he was able to look at break down the defense, put an offensive charge towards, and literally cut the head off of, he's good with. But see, it's the people beside him that he wasn't ready to come and attack him. Let me explain. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Hold on, before you go to the next slide. Now, when he says, Lord, he's like, I'm going next slide anyway. But when he says, Lord, when he says, Lord, Jesus hasn't been born yet. So his Lord at this time is God, the notorious G-O-D. You feel what I'm saying? Now, since, since his, his Lord is God, he's, he's gotten a vision, and he's following said vision, right? Now, in this, he ain't got what he was hoping for yet. Next, next. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow? Now, sorrow means great pain or grief in my heart. Anybody here ever wrestle with their own mind? Wrestle with the anxiety of your own mind? Made decisions based on the anxiety of your own mind? Not even reality. It was funny. My, so my brother's wife works at this. Uh, she's an accountant, right? And I, I can't tell you how many times she's told the family, nobody in my work likes me. Nobody likes me. And I'd be like, how you know? Why do you even, they, they don't even know your name. They don't care nothing about you. And she was like, well, Cindy did not say hi to me. And she says hi to everyone else. I was at a, I was at a cafe with my boys. And I got a call. And, and I do a lot of ministry over the phone. And this lady was telling me that we were reading Bible verses in Sunday school, and they skipped me. I'm out. <laughs> I was like, you know, I, and I even told my friends, like, I thank God for church hurt. Like, because if it was, I would get no phone calls. Let me tell you, I would get no phone. If it wasn't for church hurt, I'd never see your face, right? But for real, because I operate outside of the building of the church, right? So, so since then, people who are hurt from the church, feel comfortable coming to me. And it doesn't matter what socioeconomic status you're in, everybody has an opportunity to get hurt by people. Now, peep this out. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Notice, this is not the thoughts of other people on David. These are David's thoughts in David's head. And because of David's thoughts in David's head that he's focusing on, day after day, he has sorrow in his heart. Notice, it goes from your head to your heart. That's why we're supposed to guard our thoughts, right? Now, it starts up here, and it ends up sitting down here. Next. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Now, in this one, this is the first message about other people, right? So before, it was just him and God. Then it was him and his thoughts. Now, peep this out. 
How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Now he's ticked. So he's asked the question. He ain't heard nothing. So he's saying, God, I'm calling out to you. Show yourself. How long will my enemy win over me? Look on me and answer. Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. Now, this means I will die this way. Like I'm at my end. I'm exhausted. This ain't working. I'm about to die. Like you've called me on this mission field. Ooh, this is so deep. You've called me on this mission field, and I'm doing what I feel like you've called me to do. But then I got to this step, and I can't see your face. Now everybody's asking me where to go, and I don't know where my GPS, my godly positioning system, I don't know where my GPS is taking me right now because I ain't got service. So I'm like, God, where are you? Where are you, God? They're leaning on me. God, where should we go? God, what are we going to do? Where are you, God? Now, in this position, he's like, we're, we're running out of stuff. We're running out of food, we're running out of money, we're running out of hope, we're running out of stuff, we're running out of stuff, God, we're running out of stuff, see, God, I, I need you, we're running out, we're running out, God, we are empty, where are, anyway. Number four says, and my enemy will say, I have overcome him. So now it's not just the enemy winning, the enemy is actually talking trash about me. While I'm taking steps towards what I think is righteousness, the folks that are against me are talking bad about me. God, I'm supposed to be your son. I'm supposed to be doing what you're telling me to do, right? But as I walk further, there's more people that are judging me based on my affiliation with you. As I walk further, the hunger is not subsiding. I want to go. This is one thing that I get a lot, especially with my kids that, that, that deal drugs. I want to go back to the streets. See, even though I got peace here, I don't got money. See, I want to go back to the streets. See, even though I got peace here, I don't got respect. I want to go back to the streets. Even though I, 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 I have love here, I don't got the girls that I used to have. I want to go back to the streets. It will be beneficial for me to get back in this risky behavior because of the benefit package. Because I see you walking broke. I see you walking poor. I see you walking lonely. Why would I want to be like you? Next slide. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has done good to me. Or for he has been good to me. Now, for everyone in this room that's chasing God that feels alone. For everyone in this room that is praying to a God that sometimes you feel like ain't heard you, so you're saying it again and again. One, your needs are known before you pray. When you get on your knees to connect with God, this is about the connection, not the doggone stuff. Not a different circumstance, not a different circumstantial situation. This is you saying, Lord, it is well 
with my soul. Whatever you do, God, it is well with my soul. Whatever happens in this situation, it is well with my soul. I'm basing my character on the fact that you've been good to me. I'm basing my character on the fact and the decisions that I make on the fact that you've been good to me. See, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not in the place where my vision was taking me. But God, I'm not where I was. And God, I'm so thankful that you got me out of places where I felt like I was stuck. So God, I'm going to keep doing what you tell me. It may look like the money's gone. It may look like everybody thinks you're crazy. It may look like you're all alone. It may look like you're working hard for something that's not there. But God, because you've been good to me, I'm going to continue. I was uh, thinking about this sermon, and Spencer hit me up, and I know what it feels like to pray for something and then not be there, and he was talking about his dad, and his dad losing a piece of his foot, and his dad losing another piece of his foot, and how long, and I was like, man, we're about to get into this. There are multiple things in my life that I ain't seen come to fruition yet, and even friends, I mean friends, friends that love me have thought that the decisions I've made are absolutely crazy. But I'm going to make them anyway. The decisions that you make to let people in, even though they don't even know how much it costs, I'm going to do it anyway. Not because of anything that the people have done, but because God has been good to me. Because God has been good to me on my behalf. I will do what I'm called to do. I challenge you to do the same thing. Next slide. Jesus says he's your Lord and Savior. Now, a Lord is something in the situation that's in front of you. A Lord is someone that has the responsibility to take care of you. But because in our community we have so many daddy issues, we don't trust the Lord. Let me say it this way. So as I walk through day by day, working with people, there's a trust issue about having something over you that will love and care for you. And because there's a trust issue, we don't want to serve anything but ourselves because I can't trust anyone else but me. So I got to take care of me. You are not here to love on me. See, you're here to lord over me and put me into slavery. You're not here because you have good plans for me and that you've never left me and you're going to move me to a better place. And we're on this together. You're here to use me. And when you're done, we will be flushed and you will continue on. So they, they, they look at the thought of being on a good team, the thought of having a good coach. They look at that thought and they say, that is not for me no one tells me they're my lord I'm my lord did you see what happened when my kid got sick I'm my lord did you see what happened to that person that hurt me I'm my lord because if there was a lord the lord would have saved this situation the lord would have been there for me bullcrap that's not what was promised to you and the thing that's so frustrating is that the devil will play in your mind on this so where's God huh and when Jesus says, I'm your Lord, what that's saying is, follow me. Follow where I'm going, nobody else. And if you've ever been in a situation where you had multiple lords, been in a bad relationship, been addicted to a drug, been addicted to, to whatever, right? Some stupid show on Netflix. Anyways, when you have 
things that aren't God as your Lord, things that aren't holy as your Lord, you are blindly being led somewhere. We're all going somewhere. Nobody's standing still. Everybody's moving. If your anger is your Lord, get ready because that's where you're going. If forgiveness is your Lord, you put yourself in a forgiving state. If you receive the fact that there is a Jesus that actually is, is lording over you, there is this power that's given to, 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 to lording over other things, which is crazy to say. Let me say it like this. I wish I had a whiteboard. I like to draw stuff out. So if Jesus is your Lord, that means nothing else is. Not your cell phone, not your money, not your neighborhood, not reality, not the weather, not whatever, right? If Jesus is your Lord, that's your number one, that's, your, that's, your, that's what you're following. Then the people who follow you, in turn, will also be following him. Do you see what I'm saying? So if you're ministering, right, you have to be kind to the people but have a Lord. You have to love your wife but have a Lord. This is a prior relationship where you're looking for something that's not you every day, every second, moving where that thing moves. And it's a relationship. So, so, so prayers will change. It's a relationship. Environments will change. But you got a Lord. It's not all on you. And as an entrepreneur, we feel like it's all on us. Everything, every time, every, every dime, I have to know exactly what to do. Everything, every, every prayer that we're supposed to do, every person that we work with, it's on me. It's on me. It's on me over and over and over. And actually, I'm saying it as an entrepreneur, but as a man in general, but also there's a lot of women that have stepped up and done amazing things. So all women know what I'm talking about. It's on me. Ladies, especially single ladies. All the single ladies. How many, how many times have you been questioned about being single? Right? Oh, it's on you. Maybe you should get on Bumble. I don't know about your life. But there's a God that's lording over your situation. And there may be someone that's telling you ideas that work for other people, but what works for you is the Lord. So see, as you may be looking at me as a single person, I'm noticing that I'm in a relationship with God. Now, I've heard people talk about it, right? But they haven't really explained it in a way where I can actually walk this crap out. So let me try this, right? When I'm, when I'm hurting and when I'm about to make bad decisions, I'm leaning on something that's bigger than me, and I'm using Jesus as the model, not you. So when I'm in the situation where the money's low, right, I'm using Jesus as the model, not you. When I'm in the situation where other people are leaning on people to talk to, I'm going to my Lord. Now, we also have a savior. This is so dope. I keep talking to you. I like you. I don't even know who you are. I'm going to talk to you. So <laughs> having a savior is so cool, right? Because a Lord's before you, but a savior is behind you. So when you're walking, right, a lot of times you're trying to follow something, but you may trip on something, right? So the savior catches you before you. The Savior sees that you're not actually following the way that you're supposed to follow. And you got yourself caught up in something. See, I'm going to come and get you and put you back on track. It's funny. I, I hang out with a lot, of, a lot of hippie chicks. And this one hippie chick was like, uh, the Lord's Prayer is really interesting. I don't believe in Jesus, but for some reason, it lines up your chakras. So what I'll do is I'll say it, even though I don't believe it, right? I'll say it, right? And then all of a sudden, I'll feel this alignment. And it's so cool. Do you know why that is, right? 
And I'm like, you don't say. <laughs> That's so interesting. But, but here's, here's the thing about it, though. When you have a savior, it's not because, how do I say this? It's not because you're disrespectful. It's because when you're a baby and you're trying to put your finger in the socket, when you're a baby and you're trying to eat people's medicine because it looks like it might taste good, right? When you're a baby and you want too many chocolate chip cookies, right? When you're a baby, there's usually, hopefully, somebody that moves you away from the edge. It's so funny. When I, uh, when I watch my brother's kids, he has this little son that I'm absolutely enamored with. His name is Elias. Both his kids love me, but I love one better. But anyways, uh, don't put that on Facebook. His mom will be so mad at me. Anyways. There's this time that I noticed, especially when he was a little dude, that he would be getting close to danger. And what he wanted would actually put him in peril, as in pain. So what I had to do at the, in the moment was I had to come and cuddle, right, from behind. I had to come and grab him and move him back into alignment, right? Sometimes, sometimes, he, oh, I know, amen, I know. He's like, bump this chair, I'm done with it. Anyways. There's so many times where in my life, what I was focused on in my mind, where I was going, needed to be realigned, right? And what has happened is I, I stepped outside, and there's a God that, a Lord and a Savior that behind me just put me right into alignment. Now, there's a level of submission that has to happen. My, my little Elias, I'm a lot stronger and bigger than he is, so I can move him back into the right way. But he could always go back to what he was doing based on how great he thinks the benefits package is. So he has to trust me to move him into the right way and stay there because that's where the good stuff is. So when you have a savior, you've gone too far. You've done too much. I'm going back to you. You're like a magnet to me, dog. I don't even know who you. Anyways, you've gone. I'm going this way. You've gone too far. You've done too much, right? Now, in that, what your savior does is moves you back. And the thing that's so crazy is when you allow yourself to have a savior, what you're really saying, this is for you. When you allow yourself to have a savior, is what you're saying is, I need you. Like I thought I knew where I was going. I thought I knew what I was supposed to be doing and I got hurt, right? But I really need you. And then when you stay there, it's not that I need you, it's that I trust you, right? So it's not just that I need you. See, that's the beginning, right? That's when you're a baby. Then when you start to become a teenager, you start to be able to have trust. Well, if you ever had teenagers in your home, you don't trust them. Okay, just want you to know, don't, don't trust them. Don't, let's, let's go to the 30s. Okay, so when you're in your 30s, praise the Lord. All right, so when you're in your 30s, all right, now, now we can trust you because you've been through some things. But the thing about God is he doesn't keep you from the storm. He doesn't keep you from the storm. He's going to be your model, and he's going to be your savior behind you. But you will not be taken away from the storm that you need to mature. Next slide. Now, one of my favorite things about this season is the candy cane. Now, I have had multiple days with extremely sticky fingers from this 
and it tastes so good. And now that I'm a diabetic, I'm looking for some sugar-free candy canes. If y'all know where they at, let a brother know. But the candy cane represents the rod and the staff. Now, as a black man, I get so frustrated with pictures of white Jesus. No offense, white people. I love you, right? But I don't see enough pictures of multicolored Jesus, as in Jesus was the only white dude in Israel at that time, or in Egypt at that time. Like, he was just rocking the whiteness, and everybody else didn't notice he was there. Now, in this particular situation, right, he has this thing in his hand, and it looks like a cane. So a cane has this hooked top and, and a staff at the bottom. And so when my dad got hurt, he, he actually had a part of his foot cut out because of diabetes. When my dad was hurt, he had this cane, and he would lean on said cane, how am I doing on time, my dear? Okay. He would lean on said cane, right? And this was a part of stabilization for him. In this particular instance, the sheep don't have a cane. In this particular instance, the guy, the shepherd has the cane, and the cane is in his hand. It is used to keep you in line, and then when you go too far, it's used to pull you back. Now, the way I was introduced to the candy cane, there was no alignment conversation. There was no pullback conversation. The red on the candy cane just represented peppermint to me. It didn't represent the blood of Jesus Christ as it's supposed to, as the original model did. And when I looked at it as I was studying this, I was thinking, what if Christmas this year meant something different? What if Christmas this year meant that we were going to be gratuitous? We, not gratuitous. We were going to be in gratitude of all the things that we've been given. What if Christmas this year meant that we now trust, not just believe? See, we could believe. That's immature. But when you trust, that's another level. And then when you walk, now it's a different level of walk because now we're walking in not only belief but in trust and now we've got faith. What if Christmas isn't about the presents that you're opening but the presents that you've already received? What if Christmas wasn't about the tree and it wasn't about the gifts but it was actually about the Jesus? Next slide. I challenge you this year to find the folks that have blessed you in your life and the folks that you know that there's blessing coming from that you haven't really connected with and thank them for being in your spiritual environment. I challenge you to honestly thank God for all the things that you've been given and let it go. I challenge you to walk in faith because of what you trust and how you believe. Those of you who are on the music team, I'm about to pray this out. Then I'm going to hand the mic back to my man. Please bow your heads. God, I thank you so much for allowing us to be wrong. God, I thank you so much for allowing us to be children and allowing us to move from diapers to pull-ups and pull-ups to regular draws. God, I thank you 
for blessing us with second and third chances, but continuing to be our front and our rear guard. God, I thank you for giving us a vision to follow and then something behind us to keep us on the right path. God, I thank you. God, it, it's crazy to me to think that you're willing to still be our model as we are chasing other gods. And God, for you to realign us through the story of Jesus and the love that he had shown and allow us to get back into that love, not about ourselves, but, but about your people. God, for you to trust and love us that much, that lavish, undeserving grace. God, we thank you. And we love you. And this Christmas is your day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.